speaking, so thank you. And uh, yeah, now I'll start with reading the passage. So our passage is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, and it says this. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye when there is a log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I've been studying this passage a lot lately, and I would like to invite you to listen to God with me and share in some of the things that I've been learning. Um, I'll go through the passage, this, uh, the verses, um, verse by verse, and we'll explore some of the things that stuck out to me. Um, the general theme here, as you may have guessed, is don't judge, and what we're expected to do instead. So. Some of the things that we're expected to do instead is show mercy, be forgiving, come in humility, and love others. So I'm just going to go through this verse by verse again. First verse, judge not that you be not judged. First half is pretty simple, judge not. It's a command. We're actually commanded to not judge. And then the second half is stating the consequences of this. When we judge, we're also judged. The second half of the verse is also very similar to Beatitude 5, which Alex has gone through recently, which is, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is just saying it in another way. When we judge, we're bringing judgment on ourselves. Jesus is clear here, and in the Beatitude as well, though, that he wants people to show mercy. He wants us to show mercy. Just like Jesus has already shown us mercy when he died on the cross and took our sins, he now expects us to do the same for others. This doesn't mean that judgment disappears in our world, though. But what we are commanded to do is leave judgment, leave judgment to God, who is the one in control. He is the only one who understands who people are their hearts, and why they do what they do. And God is the one capable and responsible for any judgment. Now, as we look into this passage together, um, I think questions come up, and questions are really important for understanding. So I'm going to lay out a few possible questions that we might have and try to answer them together. So the first one, is this actually realistic to not judge? Second question might be, this passage seems to conflict with other passages in the Bible. How do we make sense of this? Or a third question is, what is judgment here and what is not judgment here? Well, we'll start off with what judgment is not. Judgment here is not saying, don't think about what's right and wrong. We still do need to think about what is right and what is wrong. Judgment here is not saying don't discern. We still do need to discern. And we're not supposed to use this command as an excuse to be complacent ourselves. 
we are wrong if we're saying, or if we're using this passage as an excuse to sin and tell others not to judge us. And we're wrong if we're using this as an excuse to be complacent about sin in our world and not address issues with certain people. But we need to do this in a much more discerning way than what we often do. And we also need to be guided by the Spirit when we do this. An example of addressing an issue was a few years ago, I was at Anvil Island Kids Camp with, uh, with my brother Daniel. We were both cabin leaders and um, you know, helping the kids have fun and get to all the activities. And uh, one of the activities was bucket ball. And so we were playing this on the upper field with you know, a bunch of 10 year olds. And Daniel's very competitive. And so he quickly figured out in bucket ball that if you throw the ball at the bucket catcher, they would get distracted or scared and wouldn't be able to catch the ball. So I like realized this and was like, you know, just went up to him quickly, Daniel, like, you know, we're not here just to win, like, we're supposed to be showing Jesus' love to others. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this might not be the best way to do that. And, like, immediately his hands just shot up to his head. He's like, oh, yeah, I, oh, sorry. And, like, quickly stopped. So, like, oftentimes we know what's right and wrong, and um, we just need some reminders or someone to address it. Um, we do need to address issues, and we need to do this in love, just like Jesus did. And we need to invite people to be their better selves, too. What is Jesus talking about here when he does talk about judgment? Well, Jesus is talking about not criticizing others, and I'll expand on that a little bit more later in the passage. And Jesus is also talking about not condemning others. Um, Paul talks about judging in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12, and says this, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? And Paul is saying that God does judge. We are also to discern what is right and wrong and address issues, particularly in the church where we strive to be followers of Jesus together. This is not a quick-to-judge attitude with condemnation, though. This needs to be done out of love. People don't particularly like being judged in a condemning way, and this is often an ineffective way of helping people change. When we tell someone they're bad and doing bad things, they often take this on as an identity. We need to be very cautious here. Instead, we need to build people up. And we need to be cautious not to condemn and judge people. Not only that, but we're commanded not to. Not judging and not condemning others is pleasing to God, and God rewards it with mercy. Second verse. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. We're called to forgiveness and mercy, and we've been commanded to forgive with the promise that God will forgive us too. This is great news, right? Well, I think so. Um, in verse two though, there is a warning though, that if we are judging and condemning, that same measure will be used against us. This is the part that can be intimidating. 
what Jesus is getting at is that none of us are perfect. And I also don't think Jesus is asking or expecting us to be perfect here. We are commanded to forgive and not condemn and judge others. The intimidating part of this, though, is that if we're not forgiving others, that same measure is used against us. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells the parable of the unforgiving servant. It goes like this. A king asked for all of his accounts to be settled. One of his servants owed him 10,000 talents and could not pay, so he begged for mercy. The king could have sold his family, put him in prison, but instead he forgave him. Then the same servant turned right around and asked his own servant to pay his debt. The servant couldn't pay his debt and got put in prison instead. Then the king came back when he heard about this and unforgave the original debt and put him in prison. This makes sense to all of us from our feelings of right and wrong. Forgiving that financial debt should have been passed on to the second servant as well. We all see this as unfair, unjust, and hypocritical. The man judging and not forgiving a financial debt, even after his own debt was forgiven. We need to be careful about not forgiving others too, though. When we condemn and have contempt towards others and do not forgive, we're not following Jesus' teaching. Further, this is the sort of thing that often builds on itself and, um, and harms us too. Now, a hard question can come up sometimes. What if someone comes up and says, Andrew, you just don't understand. This is something, like, there's no way that this can be forgiven. And this is really tough. Um, but, there has to be a response to that, and the response is, um, we do have Jesus' life and teaching as an example. Jesus went through it all when uh, he was harmed and hurt, and he went to the cross and still died for our sins. He was still able to forgive us, and what Jesus is talking about here is revolutionary. Uh, the forgiveness he is asking for is really out of this world. And if he can forgive, so can we. And Jesus expects us to. Move on to verse 3 and 4, which I think are, is talking about humility. And so the verses are, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye when there's a log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. This is one of Jesus' teachings that I think all of us need to listen very carefully to. We need to practice not being so critical of others, and also we need to practice self-examination. A speck is something that's tiny. These are things that we really need to be looking for to find almost like we're looking for a problem. Typically, we're being too critical if we're looking this closely. This verse also says that we need to examine ourselves. 
Jesus is saying that self-examination is important. We need to be constantly in prayer, asking God to renew us and shine a light on areas of our lives where we're not rightly related to God and others. There are many areas of our lives that we need to be looking for and examining. One of the common ones that has been here and throughout this whole passage is not judging others. As many of us study and read our Bibles, we try to align our lives with Jesus and his way. We want to serve God, but we need to be careful about this. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in a good portion of this, and um, in general, the Pharisees probably did want to serve God. They put rules in place so that they wouldn't go astray again. But this did not and does not work. The Pharisees' hearts were not right before God. There are countless other examples of leaders in positions of power that fail. Um, For example, David, the guy who in the walk through the Bible with actions had a whole heart for God. Well, in 2 Samuel, verse 11 and 12, Nathan tells David a story about a poor man with a lamb. And this man cared for his little lamb and treated it like family. It brought him happiness. Then there was a rich man who had flocks and lots of money. The rich man had a guest come into town one day and took the poor man's one lamb and cooked it for his guest rather than taking one from his own flocks. David was so upset and angry about this story that he told Nathan that this rich man deserved to die. David came into this story not seeing the log that was in his own eye. Nathan tells David right after this that he is the rich man from this story. David was not considering that he was the rich man who had just committed adultery and murdered a man when trying to hide his sins and cover them up. He didn't see the log in his own eye. We often don't either. In the story of David, David did repent of his sins after. Nevertheless, God did punish him with, and for those of you who know the story, it was in a very real world and very saddening way. We need to approach any judgment calls or discernment with humility. We need to examine ourselves and we need to come into humility. We need to come in humility to any situation with judgment. We need to make sure that God is in the center of our lives and on the throne of our life. If I am the throne, on the throne of my life, I'm not gonna be able to come into humility into any situation. Psalm 139 reads, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. We need to be asking God to reveal our faults so that we can see. And we need to acknowledge our sins before God and turn away from them and ask God for help. Verse five. Uh, Verse five reads this, you hypocrite. 
First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We need to examine ourselves and then do the work of removing the log from our own eye. This is where the hard work really comes in. And the best, uh, best recommendation for a place to start is just start with prayer. The second part of this verse, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, this is where we can start to show love to people. We need to first take the log out of our own eye, and then we can see clearly to do this. We're not to condemn, and we're not to judge. We are to discern and provide loving guidance, especially for other believers who are also followers of Jesus. The challenge with a speck in your own eye is that you can't see it. More mature believers with more experience or better discernment are often the path to removing these specks. We need to first examine ourselves thoroughly, second, remove the log from our own eye, often with the help of others, and then we'll see clearly, or when we see clearly, we can start to remove the speck from our brother's eye. This can't be done in a judging or condemning way. We need to help others with a loving attitude. We can't be removing our brother's or sister's speck for our own benefit. This needs to be done through love. And why do we need to do this? Well, we need to do this because we relate to our brothers and sisters, and Jesus has given us the power to face our sin, weakness, and Jesus has already dealt with the ultimate consequences. Jesus is the best example of not being judgmental in this context. Jesus is discerning, but not judgy. As the Son of God, Jesus would have had privileges that none of us have. Jesus did not condemn with our power. He was a perfect human without sin and gave up his power and died for our sins. Jesus flipped the script on judgment and condemnation. Instead, Jesus came in humility and humbled himself. Jesus showed mercy, provided a solution of forgiveness to sins, and loved us. This is love. This is in the gospel message, and this is the Jesus that we want to follow. Let's pray. God, um, we pray that you will help us to not judge. We want to be a people known for mercy rather than for judgment and condemnation. Help us to love and be discerning. And we pray that you will help us remove the log from our own eye so that we'll be able to see clearly to help others and for your glory also. We pray this in your name. Amen.